0: Let's look at God's word tonight. Last Sunday morning, we looked at a topic that I called the feed. The essence of it was this, that we are continually opening ourselves to feeds from news feeds to entertainment feeds to social media feeds and various different types of feeds in our lives. Which are basically electronic feeds and they're bringing information and they're bringing attitudes and they're bringing demeanors and they're bringing practices into our lives and literally feeding our souls. You know, I was making the point that we are what we eat physically and the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15 that that things happen first in the physical and then the spiritual. The way that we are physically is the way that we are also spiritually, so that we become what we eat spiritually. And when we're eating this stuff, when we're consuming news and social media and entertainment, we're actually putting stuff into our souls and putting stuff into our bodies. The result of that, of course, is that it begins to affect the way that we see the world. And we, I quoted a very old quote, a very old and very well-known quote, and that is that we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. Nobody has an entirely objective view of the world. Everybody is receiving it through a filter. And because of that, the point they was making was that it's so important that we get the filters right in our life, If our filters are wrong, if our lenses, as it were, are wrong on our eyes, we will see the world in the wrong way. And we really want to be a people who see the world in God's way. Jesus said, if the eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. It's so important that we see the world in the right way. And to do this, we need to have the right mind and the right attitude. We looked at about how Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 12 that they could be changed, that they could be completely changed. This is what he said, you know the one. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. Then he says, then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will is the best thing for you is what he's saying. And he's saying that if you let God change your mind, you'll recognize what God's will for your life is. We looked at the food triangle for instance the very famous food triangle i know we had a lot of uh, discussion about whether it should be you know i don't know vegan and whether it should be plant-based or whether it should be any meat or milk or dairy free or gluten-free whatever you have yourself but we basically concluded from from the food triangle that there is superfood good food and junk food and the basis of our diet needs to be that superfood which is the scriptures In the main, it's the scriptures and it's biblical writings and it's inspirational Christian writings. That's the superfood that feeds our souls. And then we have the good food, the positive things that go on in life, rather than always filtering the negative. And then the junk food is the stuff where, look, I don't need to tell you what your junk food is. Everybody has their own little junk food. And the point I made, and I think it's really important we need to remember, it's very often not possible to completely cut out, but we can certainly cut down. We need to tilt ourselves, tilt our diet in favour of the superfood of God's word. We looked lastly at um, what I'm calling the Christian cow. Yes, the Christian cow, about mediating, or meditating, chewing the cud. And that the cow has four stomachs, and chews and continually chews to break down the glucose. And we looked at different ways in which we can uh, work at meditating on God's word. We can focus it, we can write about it, we can study it hard, we can pray the scriptures into life. But most importantly, we need to do them. The scriptures have something interesting to say about the person who meditates on God's word. You'll be very, very familiar with that. Everybody is familiar with the image of a tree, and that, tree is u- that image of a tree is used in Psalm 1 to describe the person who meditates on God's law day and night. This is what it says is the result in that person's life. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they whatever they do prospers do you want that for your life? Because that's what I want, I mean, that's what I want for my life. That the person who meditates on God's word, the person who feeds on the superfood of God's word is a person who is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Our lives will become fruitful if we meditate on God's word and we do what it says and we pray about what it says and we focus on what it says. We will become fruitful, we'll bear our fruit in season and our leaves will not wither. We become old and withered up by God's grace, but we'll still be full and lively and vital. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 8 actually picks up the same theme and he goes on to say something interesting in it. He says, such trees, in Jeremiah 17:18 are not bothered by the heat are worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Look at this, such trees are not bothered by the heat are worried by long months of drought. You mean these trees thrive even though the circumstances aren't great because their roots go down into God? Because their roots are drinking deep of God's word? Because they're being super fed on God's best food for their lives? That's what he's saying. Because their minds are being affected by the meditation upon God's word. When we take in God's word and we begin to think about it and focus on it, what begins to happen? Our roots go down deep, and then we can go through periods, maybe like the period we're in now, or where we have long months of drought. Drought, who knows, maybe it's a financial drought, maybe it's an emotional drought, a relational drought, sometimes even a spiritual drought. I've yet to meet a Christian yet to meet a Christian who has walked with the Lord for any period, decent period of time, who hasn't experienced a period of drought. It is a time of testing so often in Christians' lives. But he's saying that those who meditate upon the Lord are able to continue going on even when there's a drought going on in their lives. I wanna say to you tonight, when you walk out and look at the spring trees tomorrow, the trees are now fantastic, it's into leaf, I mean the places like the Amazon near where I live, it's fantastic and you look at it and you see all those trees and leaves All of that is provided by what's going on underground. All the work has gone in. So if you want to flourish in your faith, if you want to flourish by faith, if you want to flourish in the presence of God, you need to meditate. You need to get the superfood of God's word into your soul and the power of God's spirit at work in you. How do I know that this actually works out as being the truth? How do I know that this is the effect that it has? Well, there's lots of evidence in the Bible of people who went through very difficult times, and I want to focus on one particular guy because I've been looking at him and looking at his letters from lockdown for the last few weeks. You know about him, is the Apostle Paul and he wrote He wrote four letters from lockdown, they were um, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians and Philemon. And in all of them, there is this unusual ring about a person who's in difficult circumstances. I want you to think about what would it be like if you were stuck in jail? No, well, it's strange, I woke up uh, this morning and I just looked out the window at the sunshine and I thought, this is the day that the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And then I was challenged, I felt like the Lord said to me, would you say the same if you were in pain, if you were broke, If your home wasn't as comfortable as it is, if your children weren't healthy, would you be saying the same? And it was a challenge to me because really when we say this is the day that the Lord has made, what we're saying is that we will not let circumstances dictate our attitude to the day that the Lord has made. We won't let circumstances. And for Paul, he certainly didn't let his circumstances dictate his attitude and that's really important the letters that Paul wrote there are some of the most joyous letters in the New Testament even though his circumstances were the worst when you look for instance at the book of Philippians 13 times in four chapters the words joy or rejoicing are used or rejoice or rejoicing and joy they're used 13 times in just four chapters now when you read your Bible you'll never see bold or underlined or you'll never see something emphasized Repetition is the Bible's way of underlining and boldening and bringing our attention to something. Paul is continually joyful. He's going through a serious period of drought. He's going through seriously difficult circumstances. But he is still fresh. And he is still bearing fruit. The gospel is still bearing fruit. And he says it, even though I'm in chains, the gospel is prospering. And he says, and because of that, I rejoice. Here's one of the passages where he says it. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is a safeguard for you. Now, when he says, it's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again, I bet you that Paul was always telling people to be joyful. And he says, it's no trouble to write it again. Because I know you might go, oh no, Michael's going to talk about... Paul have joy in prison. Oh great. That's going to be so exciting. But why does he say it? He says it's no trouble. Because when we repeat something it begins to build a pattern in our brain. We begin to make connections in our mind. Remember I was saying it's all about the top 4 inches of your mind. That's what it's all about. It's about the thinking and Paul is saying, I'm going to repeat it and 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 I'm going to repeat it because repeating something, repetition is the mother of memory. That's how we remember something. And so when we read the scriptures that tell us to rejoice, we're reminded that we too should rejoice. And there was so here's here's something else he he says rejoice in the Lord the odd time and if you're in the mood and if the chords sound good and we're all in key no rejoice in the Lord if you have no pain and the cupboards are full and the salary is coming in the door no rejoice in the Lord if you've got no pain in your body and you're fit and healthy and active and everybody around you is joyous and have straight white teeth and lovely curly hair no rejoice in the Lord when always always he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice for well, what, Paul? He says, rejoice, just rejoice. Be glad for what God has done in your life. Be glad for the purposes of God at work in your life. Be glad for the salvation that he has given you in Jesus Christ. Rejoice, be glad, because these circumstances are just passing. They're just passing through, but what we have in Jesus is permanent. You see, there's something going on in Paul and it's about his attitude. Let me tell you this. If the devil, all the devil has to do with you, is to get you thinking wrong about yourself, about others, and about God, you will do the rest. You'll just go off and do the rest. You get an idea into your head, and you run with it, and you begin to make a process with it, and you begin to build something up in your mind, and you begin to have an idea about someone, and you begin to meditate on the wrong that they've done you. You know when we meditate on good things about people, and when we consider good things about people, as Paul advises earlier in the Philippians, When he says, in in humility, consider others better than yourselves. When you actually consider and look for the good in people, what you'll actually find is that you will grow in love and kindness and in grace. But when you ruminate and when you meditate on the person who did you wrong or the person who hurt you or cut you off or jumped you over in in the queue for promotion at work or who, who didn't correct your exam right, the teacher who got you and you knew he had it in for you. When you do that, all you do is you build up. You build, up, um, you build up retribution, you build up revenge, you build up resentment. That's all you build up, by, by meditating on the negative. And so Paul chooses to focus on what is positive. I love attitude is everything. There is an old proverb, many of you will have heard it or seen it before. It says this, two men looked out through prison bars, one saw mud and the other saw stars. Two men looked out through prison bars. One saw mud. He looked out, my life is awful. The other person said, look at the stars. Both of them in the same circumstance, but both of them had a completely different attitude to the same circumstances. We have in our nature as human beings what psychologists call a negativity bias. We tend to focus on what is negative. Now you might go, I know, but I'm a very positive person. Trust me, you have a negativity bias. You know you have a negativity bias when you go into a beautiful home and you go, do you know what? it needs one more coat of paint. You know that you have a negativity bias when you go, do you know if I could do another 500 push-ups i of the perfect biceps, or whatever you're having yourself, because we tend to focus not on what's right with us or with others, on what's wrong. What can we fix? What can we improve? What can we make better? And there's a good reason for that because we're hardwired to threats, things that will threaten our safety or our comfort or our provision. We're hardwired to it. I mean, if you were living in Ireland 1,500 years ago and there was wolves in the hills and bears in the caves, you had to be kind of tuned in to threats. And because of that long-lasting habit in human beings, we're still wired to being threatened. We're still wired to being um, troubled. We're still worried, wired to hearing the negative because there was a time when it helped us literally to survive I love what the scripture says when it says, this is not the scripture this is, forgive me, it's John Milton it's a quote by John Milton all about attitude and he talks about the mind in his poem Paradise Lost what a brilliant poem if you get the chance, even tonight before you go to sleep read Paradise Lost, it's all over the internet you can't miss it, by John Milton but he has this great line in it and it's all about the mind this is what he says he said, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. Oh, is that so true? And I think about Paul inside in prison and in truth, he's in hell. He's in a Roman dungeon hell. His circumstances are awful. No matter how much positive thinking Paul could do, his circumstances were awful. He was dependent on other people for his food. He was chained to, most likely chained to a prison guard 24 hours a day. He had only very, very limited freedoms. His circumstances were awful. And he knew that being in prison probably meant that he was going to be executed. And yet, because of his attitude, because of the way that he thought, because of how he viewed his circumstances, he had joy because he was able to make that hell heaven. He was able to make his hell heaven simply by looking to Jesus Christ. He also gave us very very powerful tools in his writing about how we can do it. So we talk about joy what is joy? Well let me give you an idea of what I I refer to when we talk about joy, joy is our response to our circumstances not our circumstances what our circumstances do to us it is our response to them And when Paul is writing to the Christian churches, he knows, you know, you see in the letters that Paul writes towards the end of his life, and you see it in the letters that Peter writes towards the end of his life, and you see it in the letters that John writes, they know that real, serious trouble is brewing for the Christian church. And so they know that the Christian church is going to come under incredible persecution. And so they want those believers to actually begin to think very clearly about what God wants them to do. He wants them their minds to be renewed. He wants them they want them to be transformed. Here Paul offers the Christians in Philippi a little bit of food for thought. Now you know the scripture, but I want to meditate in it for just a second. You know the scripture very well, but I want to meditate in it for a second. He's written this fantastic letter where he tells the brothers and the sisters in Philippi, lads rejoice in what god has done i pray for you constantly remember me in your prayers have this attitude that was in you that was in christ jesus remember the power of god is at work in you remember god's work is going to be completed on you until the day that jesus christ comes and he talks about how he has learned the secret of being content and he gives them a final offering And this is what he says to them: this is our food for thought he says finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Amen. He gives them clear instruction to think about These things, think about these things. Don't be thinking about the threats of the Roman Empire. Don't be thinking about the tittle-tattle of the entertainment industry. Don't be thinking about the bad news and all that kind of stuff everywhere. Remember, this is the stuff that will build our souls up. And when you actually look at these things, i tell you something. What you will find is there is a person in the Bible who is true, right, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is all of these things. It is, he is true, he is noble, right, lovely, pure. And if you can, the other thing that is that, it's his word. God's word is true, it's noble, it's right, it's pure, it's lovely, it's admirable, it's excellent, it's praiseworthy, it calls us to a higher standard. And here's the point, here's the point Aziz, for the 47th time that evening, here's the point I really wanna make. What we feed ourselves on will come out in our lives. What we sow into our lives, we will reap. Whatever it is that we think about, if we sow thoughts, we will reap them. If we sow negative thoughts into our minds and into our souls, that's what we're going to reap. That's what's going to come up out of our lives. And if we're feeding ourselves continuous negativity, whether it's by the news or whether it's, like I said, the celebrity tittle tattle or whatever you're having yourself, whatever you're feeding yourself, remember what you're feeding yourself is going to come out. Why, that's, why, that's why the scripture says it says it in Galatians where Paul says to the Galatians, he says, don't be fooled, the justice of God won't be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Remember that we were talking about the trees earlier, taking up the stuff, whatever you put into the ground, that's what you're gonna reap. Whatever you put into your mind, that's what you're going to reap. Whatever you take into your body and take into your soul, that's what you're going to reap. Not only are you gonna reap it in thoughts and attitudes, even in company. The Proverbs says, I think it's Proverbs 13 says, It says, uh, walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Stick around with wise people and you're going to become a wise guy, huh? That's what's going to happen to you. You're going to get wiser if you hang around with wise people. But a fool, a companion of fools comes to destruction. That's what the scripture said. I didn't say it. Don't hold it against me. But that's what the Bible says. A companion of fools comes to destruction. And so therefore, we need to fill our minds with what is right, true, lovely, admirable, excellent, noble, bravery. Think about such things. And then he says something very important. And he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. He did the most important thing of all. You see, for Paul, all this right, good, noble, pure, whole, that wasn't just a theory for Paul. That was his life. That was actually the way he lived. That was actually the way he chose to think. And this is the important part. You are the one who chooses. You have agency. You have autonomy. You have authority over your own life. God has given it to you to make the choices and the decisions that will build you up or tear you down. To think about the things that will benefit you and build up your soul and build up your relationships and build up your love and build up your heart and build up your faith. You have a choice. Please bear that in mind. You have a choice. And Paul says to them, whatever you've seen us do, He says, what have you seen us do? Do do, do what you saw us doing. Just, you know, get involved and do what you saw us doing. Whatever we did, do that and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Something I want to leave you almost with the last thought. We're nearly there, nearly finished. But I want to leave you with this thought. Every one of us is not only an example taker, we are an example maker. We're an example taker and we're an example maker. I've often seen, even in my own home, my children have taken my example. Sometimes very good, and sometimes not so good. Sometimes it's not always that great, the example that they may pick up from their old daddy oh. But you know, every one of us is both an example giver and an example taker. Let me tell you this, if you pray more, if you begin to pray more in your life, and you begin to study God's word more, I guarantee you this, your close friends they're gonna start studying more and they're gonna start praying more. If you start exercising more, you'll be surprised The people around you will start exercising more. You are giving the example with your life. You don't have to be some kind of leader. Everyone's a leader. Everybody's got some leadership role and every one of us is giving an example. And Paul is saying, look at my example and put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And what's the most important thing about practice? I hear you say to me, Michael, pray tell, Michael, what is it that's important about practice? Practice, brothers and sisters, makes permanent it doesn't make perfect. You will never be the perfect person until Jesus returns and restores you and, and, and uh, re- resurrects your body and gives you the perfect body and the perfect conditions. You will never be perfect until that day, but your practices will become permanent, whether they're good or whether they're bad. Your practices will become permanent in your life. They'll become part of your character, and what becomes part of your character becomes part of your destiny where you're getting to in the end, but what is what I mean by destiny. So those decisions that we make, those practices that we make, those examples that we follow, whether we pray or study or exercise or whatever it is that we do, when we do those, when we practice them, they become permanent in our lives. They become permanent in our minds, brothers and sisters, because every time we're firing synapses and wiring synapses together, we are literally physically changing our minds. Literally physically changing our minds. Literally the neuroplasticity of your mind is being adjusted and the physical shape of your mind is changing and certain areas of your mind are changing and more neurons are firing in certain departments and then in other departments, your mind is literally physically being changed by the practices and the repetition of good habits such as the things that you choose to think about and what you feed yourself on. Last thought before we finish. Isaiah the prophet, writing many hundreds of years before Jesus Christ, wrote this in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. I'm going to read it again because it's worth saying. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on how true is that in the lives of generations and generations and generations of Christians. Is it true in your life? Could it be true in your life? Is that the peace that you want? The shalom peace, the perfect peace. And that peace, that shalom peace, means peace of body, peace of mind, peace of relationships, peace of home. It is the complete, uh, comprehensive peace of God, the shalom peace. God will keep in shalom peace those whose minds are fixed upon him, regardless of their circumstances. And that's why Paul was able to say, the God of peace will be with you. Paul is in the worst of circumstances, and yet he's able to say, I have the peace of God at work in me because I'm fixing my mind on him not upon these circumstances I want us to pray as we close I'm going to pray that's kind of that's that's the message for tonight done God bless you brothers and sisters thank you for tuning in we're nearly finished we're just going to pray before we finish and we got going to treat for you before we finish 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 so I'm going to ask you wherever you are would you pray with me you can stand if you want to. I, I normally stand and pray if I can, unless I'm on a Zoom call, right where I have to sit down, but I normally stand and pray. And I sometimes raise my hand. I'm going to invite you, if you are willing, to stand with me and to raise your hands. We're going to, I'm going to pray just a very, very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that you would meditate on what God says about your life, that your mind would be fixed, your thoughts would be fixed on Jesus Christ, that your thoughts would be fixed on God's purposes and God's plans, and not even on circumstances, regardless of whether those circumstances are good or bad, regardless of whether you're in the 75% or you're in the 25%, I want to pray that you would fix your eyes on the Lord and that you would set an example. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given to us an authority, an autonomy, and an agency, a power of decision in our lives, Lord. I pray that in the next days and weeks, Lord, and we don't know exactly what direction this is all going to go in, Lord. But we pray over the next days and weeks, Lord, that we would use that agency, we would use that authority, we would use that autonomy, we'd use that ability, Lord, to think About Your things, Lord. Lord, that we would fill our minds with things that are true and right and noble and admirable, that are excellent and are praiseworthy, things that are pure, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would make decisions to affect our minds, that we would sow into our minds, sow into our hearts, sow into our lives and into our relationships, Lord Jesus, the things that you want us to think about, Lord. I pray that we would remember Lord, that whatever it is that we put into our lives is exactly what we're going to reap from our lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would remember that what we put into that soil is exactly what's going to sprout up in our lives. And so therefore, Lord, I pray that as your scripture says, we would live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the days because the time is short. I pray, Lord, that we would know the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guarding our hearts, And minds in Christ Jesus. And I pray the God of peace. Would come close to us Lord. Would draw near to us Lord. So that we would know the God of peace. And the peace of God. All in the one go. Lord we commit ourselves into your hand. And we ask that your shalom peace. Your perfect peace Lord. Would rest upon every home. Upon every head. And upon every heart. In Jesus mighty name. And God's people said aloud. We got one amen anyway. We're going to be set for one amen. Give us an amen in the comments if you want to. Listen, that, that's us pretty well done for tonight. Um, I want to leave you with one last thing before we go. I'm going to hand over now to uh, Tom and Denise. They're going to be hosting church from their home uh, next Sunday morning and next Tuesday night. And then I'll be back again in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to see how things are going. If restrictions are easing up, we might bring in a couple of musicians. We're in conversation. We're trying to get some stuff going so that you're not just looking at... Boring old Donovan all the time, or, or maybe boring old Burke. I don't know, I don't want to be, I wouldn't dare to say that, of course. But, what I do want to finish with is this. God bless and keep you. We want to give you one last song before we go, but it's not by me. This one, again, is from Sophia Piwawarek, even though she will always be Sophia Lankovic to me. Sophia, you'll always be Sophia Lankovic to me. She did two songs for us last week, one which we played on Sunday. Uh, which you saw called Our Father. But before that, she actually sent me another video and I thought it was so good and it touched my heart so much that I wanted to play it tonight. It's just Sophia on her own and I'm going to play it here now as we go out. I'm going to hand it over as it were to Sophia. She's going to be playing here uh, on this recording. May God bless and keep you and go with you. We're going to play this out. It takes about two minutes. Give us a comment, give us a like, give us a share, whatever you want to do yourself. But God bless and keep you and watch over you. And give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless.